What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Engage 8 Podcast. I'm your host, Zach, with my two co-hosts, Josh and Mike. Today, we're going to be going over the two Monday Night Football games that were actually surprising thrillers up until the very end. And we're going to go over some NBA in-season tournament uh, highlights, recap, just our thoughts. And we're going to preview week, I believe it's 15 now. This is season's really coming to an end real quick, and I don't think any of us like it. You want to get started on some uh, Monday Night, Josh? Yes, I can. We got blessed with two great Monday night games, even though it didn't really look like it was going to be that when we first looked at the schedule last week. But we did get blessed with two great Monday night games. We'll start off with the Titans and the Dolphins. Uh, That game was pretty tight in the first half. I believe it was like 13 to 13 for most of that uh, first half there. And then late in the second half is when the Dolphins started pulling away and it kind of looked like they were going to just take this game how they should have taken it from the beginning. Uh, But then they I believe it was a muffed punt for uh, uh, the Titans. And then the Dolphins got that muff punt, scored right away with Mostert, who had a big second half. Uh, then there was a fumble uh, by the Titans the next drive, and then another touchdown for Mostert. And at that point, it looked like it was pretty much all said and done uh, for the, the Dolphins to win that game, how they should have won it from the beginning. They were two touchdown favorites going in, and it looked like they were going to get that late cover. Uh, but then the Titans just came out of nowhere. They forced uh, punts when they needed to. They had two huge touchdown drives, especially the the game winner was like four plays, like 60-some yards, like a minute long for Will Levis. It was crazy. He was fired up afterwards. He was looking as jacked as ever on the sidelines. And then when the Titans needed to stop, their defense came out. They got a stop. Uh, Tyreek Hill was obviously hurt in this game. That played a big factor for most of this game. He came back late uh, with his ankle not taped up, but Regardless, what a gutsy win from the Titans and the Dolphins just let once the boy. Yeah, the Dolphins definitely needed to continue this win, especially being uh, getting a little bit closer to Buffalo, who's kind of heating up at this moment. But they got a tough game this week. We'll get to that later. Uh, the Titans, they yeah, like you said, real gutsy win. Will Levis was a big part of that. And another big part of that, someone who probably won't show up on the uh, on like the what do you call it? Like the the geez, what am I looking for? Box score? Box score? No, not the box score. Uh, like a like a game preview graphic. Tajay Spears. Mm-hmm. He had 89 reception yards on six catches and a huge, I think it was like a 20 or 30-yard gain on a screen pass that just got them into the red zone, and they ended up scoring a touchdown later that drive, too. He was phenomenal, phenomenal in this game. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins was also great as well. I figured he wasn't he was gonna have a really quiet game facing against Xavier Howard, Jalen Ramsey, and a Defense was playing really well. He ended up cooking for over 100 yards and a touchdown found the, and finding the end zone for the uh, touchdown that cut the lead in half, I believe. But, yeah, once it became 27-13, I had no no expectations for the Titans to come back into it. We've said it a bunch of times. Derrick Henry kind of got phased out of the game plan at that point, and he just he wasn't on the field for a good portion of that fourth quarter because they went down so much. So it was really nice to see Will Levis get his first career game-winning drive. And yeah, sucks for the Dolphins that they just let this one slip. Yeah, Will Levis, first career game winning drive. Um, great game by him. He did everything he had to. He's had a very solid start to his rookie season. He should have been starting since week one, but regardless, he has almost 1,600 yards now, an eight to three touchdown to interception ratio, almost a 60% completion percentage. He's giving everything the Titans fans wanted and almost more at this point. He has a great deep ball um he's really developed a good relationship with deandre hopkins which is something this offense needed uh derrick henry another rough game only two yards per carry he did have two touchdowns 
I'm starting to think that this might be his last season in Tennessee. I'd imagine they might move on, leave some cap, uh, and just kind of go with Tyje Spears because, like you said, Zach, he's been looking very good. Um, for the Dolphins, just a game you couldn't lose. Now you are looking to give up that first-round bye. Um, you're playing a team that you should beat pretty easily, and you just couldn't get it done. Um, most are a great game, like you guys said, but just disappointing. you got to have a better two-minute drive. They did not. They were scared late in the game. Gave up 14 points in 51 seconds. Um, the Titans special teams, again, tried to lose them the game just like they did last week. But this time their offense was able to cover for it. So good win for the Titans. I'm glad they won their Super Bowl here. Yeah, they did uh, win their Super Bowl here in week 13 or 14. Uh, but the second Monday night game, Packers go down to the Giants in another really wacky game, another game with the muff punts. We saw it coming out of the second half or coming out of the first half. Uh, two muff punts by both teams. Both teams scored. The difference was the Giants scored a touchdown in that after that muff punt. The Packers did not. They had to settle for a field goal. Uh, Anders Carlson did make. He ended up missing one later in the game. But this was overall just a really wacky game. We saw the Saquon big run where he just didn't get touched, and then he falls and just fumbles the ball somehow. And that leads to what seems like, oh, the Giants throw in this game. Uh, the Packers go down score from that or whatever, and then the Giants end up getting the win overall. Uh, but yeah, what a big win for the Giants. Uh, for the Packers, AJ Dillon didn't play good. He's been pretty bad overall in Aaron Jones' absence this season. He's been really underwhelming, especially for a guy who took that high in the draft. And everyone looked at them as like a good one-two uh, in Green Bay. And AJ Dillon is for sure not a one. So that's been a problem for them. It's been really their only problem is they haven't been able to run the ball. Last night, Jordan Love did not look good against the Giants' defense that isn't very good overall. Uh, and He's been looking really good the past few weeks. So seeing this out of him last night was troublesome. Uh, the Packers, I know a lot of Packers fans were talking, went out, went out, went out. I thought they were going to win out as well. Uh, this is not how you start a win out here uh, for the Packers. And now they're sitting at six and seven. The Vikings are at seven and six. They're two games out of the North. Uh, it's looking pretty tough, though, if Green Bay wants any chance of winning the division. Yeah, like you said, the Green Bay Packers have not really been able to get a good running game going. Part of that is because of the inconsistent health of Aaron Jones. But I also think, like you said, A.J. Dillon has not been uh, up to par for what you want in a running back. I think you can argue that Jaden Reed has been their most consistent rusher this year. He's got over 100 yards just as a wide receiver. And I think he's got two, maybe three rushing touchdowns. But he's also been progressing as a receiver very nicely. He's someone that I wanted the Bears to look at out of the draft, maybe in the third or fourth round out of Michigan State. And the Packers took him, I think, in the second round. And at first I was like, all right, he's a good player, but are you willing to take a second round, uh, take a chance on him in the second round? But he's proven me wrong uh, in one way, but he, he's been phenomenal this year. And I'm very proud to say that I was uh, right in my pre-draft analysis. But Danny DeVito, Tommy DeVito, whatever you want to call him, he got it done, got him down in the field goal range when it mattered. Uh, Saquon, he had a really solid day, 20 carries for 86 yards and two touchdowns. And he also had a few catches for only 15 yards as well. But the big name receiver, small name receiver, but the big impact was Wandale Robinson had a couple huge catches, a couple big rushes as well to really set up the Giants and get them into solid scoring range. So that was also really nice. Uh, one guy who's been just insanely inconsistent this year has been Jalen Hyatt. He was a speedster coming out of Tennessee. I really, really wanted him to just have a big impact once uh, Daniel Jones went down and it was either Tyrod Taylor or uh, Tommy DeVito, whoever was throwing the ball. I really wanted him to start getting more looks downfield. 
Uh, there's been a couple games where he's gotten over 100 yards on minimal targets, but because he's getting the ball downfield, he's starting to make an impact, spread out the defense a little bit. But this game, he didn't get a chance to do that, but it didn't matter. The Giants ended up winning, and yeah, they're trying to make a push for a wild card spot if Tommy DeVito can keep playing the way he has been. Tommy DeVito's been great. Jordan Love wasn't the greatest in this game. He played better in the second half like he seems to do. Um, couldn't get it done in the end. Anders Carlson just continues to be a very inconsistent kicker for him. Uh, life after Mason Crosby has been rough. Um, Jaden Reed, like you said, Zach, he's been great. I knew he was going to be great coming out of Michigan State. He has all the talent in the world. He can he's, uh, catch contested balls great. He can run great. He's hard to tackle. Um, he's just been a stud for them. He's been available. Uh, that's something Packers receivers have struggled with this season, especially Christian Watson. But for the Giants, um, Tommy DeVito is just having an insanity run. Hopefully he can keep it going. He's looked great. He's the first undrafted rookie in NFL history to win three straight start- starts without an interception. Um, he's been one of the best stories of the year so far, uh, especially considering New York. Um, his dad is great. His agent is hilarious. Uh, it's just so funny. It's, it's good for the, the stadium. Stands the kiss. Every, every play they – oh, man. Uh, just just fun wow. to watch. Happy. Um, it's, what, it's what makes football great. Um, but just a good one for the Giants. Brian Dable seems to be saving his job at this point. Um, so maybe Tommy DeVito's back next year. Who knows? Yeah, we were talking about it last night uh, when we were talking about um... – how all these other leagues need to find their superstars to build their league. And the NFL just has, just finds an Italian guy and he sells everything <laughs> and everyone just completely buys in on him. Uh, the NFL is just King, man. The NFL is just King. It is. But speaking of a different league, uh, now we're going to talk about some NBA uh, update. It's we're about 20 plus games into the season. Now the NBA in season tournament finished up on Saturday. So four days ago. So we figured we'd check in, talk some NBA. Uh, I got some teams I like so far this year. I'm sure you guys do as well. Uh, so we'll just get into that now. Uh, first thing, this is not one of the teams that I think is going to be an insane contender, but they have had an insane start. The Minnesota Timberwolves, they're the best defensive team in the NBA so far. I believe they're 17-6 and six as we're recording this, uh, which is or 17-5 and five or something, or something like that. I don't have it off the top of my head here, but they're number one in defensive efficiency. They've been phenomenal, uh, and they're just winning regular season games. They got a young team, but they got some vets in there, of course, with uh, Pat, who's been in the league for, it's crazy, but what, eight years now? He's been in the league, now 2015, yeah, eight years now, crazy. Um, Obviously, they have Rudy Gobert, who people have mixed opinions on, but overall, they're really good. McDaniels is just a phenomenal defensive player, and they're the best defensive team in the league. Uh, But another team I really, really like, OKC. Uh, They're one of the few teams in the league, I believe there's three teams in the league that are top 10 in offensive and defensive efficiency. OKC is six in both of those categories. Uh, They've been really good. Talk about a young team. SGA has been phenomenal. Uh, Obviously, we've had had the Josh Giddy drama, which we're not going to get into. Uh, But that that is, for a young team, you know how easy that is to have that become a distraction and derail everything? That hasn't happened at all for OKC. They've been phenomenal. They still have a ton more picks. They're not spending any money. Jalen Williams is phenomenal. He's very good. Chet, favorite for rookie of the year. SGA, probably he's going to be contending for all-NBA first team. We'll see if he gets it. Still have a lot of season to play out. You've got to put minimum number of games. So it's hard to tell that this early in the season, but he is making himself an option. Um, I'm not going to – I'll leave you guys to talk about Philly. Obviously, Philly's 
Philly has been phenomenal all season. Uh, Boston as well, though. They are top. They're number four, I believe. Yeah, they're number four in defensive efficiency, number seven in offensive efficiency. We talked about it in our NBA preview. Uh, they are my pick to come out of the East. I don't. I'm sure you guys probably picked them as well, or maybe I don't know, pick Milwaukee. But they've been phenomenal on both ends of the ball. They got a lot of firepower. Picking up Drew Holiday looked like it was going to be great for them. It ended up being really, really good. He's been great. Kristaps uh, Porzingis hasn't played much, uh, which. We'll see if they get better when he gets in. If they get better when he gets in, uh, the NBA has to watch out. Uh, but just I, there's teams in this league, like for example, Houston. They're the second best rated defensive team in the league, and they've they're nowhere to be seen on the offensive side. I believe where are they at? Yeah, they're 22 in offense. Uh, so there's teams like that where it's like, yeah, maybe they could do some damage. They're a young team. The Clippers are high in defense once again. Their offense is pretty middle of the pack, but. I think these well-rounded teams are going to be in the best spot and teams like Boston have shown that a lot of the preseason stuff in the NBA usually ends up being semi-correct. Yeah. I don't, I don't have any like crazy stats pulled up, but I, I won't go too in depth on any one specific team, but I got a few teams that have really caught my eye. Orlando is sitting at uh, tied for second yes. in the East right now at 16 and seven, only one game back of Boston who hasn't lost at home this year. They're sitting at 10 and zero at home, which is crazy. Uh, but yeah, Orlando, they've been phenomenal. They've just got talent up and down the roster in the backcourt and the front court, especially those they're wings defensively with, as well. With Wagner and uh, Paolo, they're just they're crazy. They can switch everything and they're Life, they've been missing man. they've been missing Wendell Carter Jr., former Bulls legend. They've been missing him for a little while as well. So that's something to note. Uh I've kind of hitched my wagon to the Indiana Pacers and uh Tyrese Halliburton. I am I've fallen in love with Halliburton's game, even though his jump shot is very unorthodox. The Bulls have given me nothing to cheer about this year outside of the surgeons of Kobe White, but Tyrese Halliburton has given me hope that maybe the Bulls can find someone like that someday. He went through a stretch of 30, maybe 40 assists straight without a turnover. I think that spanned over two, maybe two and a half games. I think one of which was in this in-season tournament. And best believe I was watching every single Pacers game throughout the tournament. It was They were so fun to watch. They got a lot of energy and... I just wish that one of those, uh, one of the, no, not one of the championship game. I wish that was played like in Indy because that would have been rocking. That was my only gripe with the in-season tournament. The, uh, the atmosphere wasn't it, but the concept of having a prize to play for just a lot of competition and it gives young players playoff level experience before the actual playoffs, which is always a good thing in my mind. But if you get those in-season like, semifinals and championship games in a home arena with an actual fan base, it's going to go nuts. Now shifting over to the West, like you said, Josh, the Timberwolves, honestly, one of the biggest shocks of the year. Gobert is looking, but looking like his former uh, defensive player of the year self. He's been phenomenal. I, like you said, they're top, uh, top of the league in defense. Gobert is a huge reason why. OKC with the whole giddy thing, not going to get into it, but like you said, distractions are huge for a young team and they just were not bothered by it. And SGA, you didn't even mention him for MVP. He's been playing phenomenal this year. He's extremely efficient. He's up there. He can score at all three levels, maybe not as well at the three ball as some other guys in the league, but he can knock it down when he needs to. So that's always impressive. The Kings like the beam. They're going to be sitting around that three to five seed the rest of the year, if I had to expect. But unfortunately, your team, the Phoenix Suns, they just got to get healthy. Uh, I was hoping for them to match up with the Pacers in the uh, in-season tournament finale. But they just they're just not healthy. They've been missing book. KD, I think, isn't even playing tonight. 
and uh, Beal, they, they've all missed time. I think they've only had like one, maybe two games together this entire year. It's really unfortunate, but if they can get healthy, healthy by the playoffs, I have no doubt in my mind that they can make a run. Yeah. Um, every, I was in my uh, preseason prediction that I didn't know how many games that four was going to play together. And so far, how many games together have they had, Josh? One or two? Zero. Zero. Yeah. They haven't even played one? That's, That's crazy. Yeah, no. Preseason, but not regular season. Not a single game. Um, I was expecting at least one by this point of the season, but I know tonight I think KD's out. Uh, Beal's back. Uh, yeah, th- this is the second time that this has happened, that the day someone's come back, the other one leaves. Yeah. Um, just now it's not ideal. Not ideal. Uh, I'll stick in the West. Uh, my disappointing team in the West right now is the Warriors. I thought they'd be better than what they are right now. Right now they're sitting at last in the Pacific, 10 and 12. Um, just haven't seemed to get much going. Clay Thompson's been struggling. Um, and the team in general is just struggling. Uh, the Pelicans, I just wanted to touch on the Zion Williamson situation. Um, he does look pretty big. I'll give I'll give most people that. But although he looks big and all that, had a rough game against the Lakers, but all the media bashing him, saying Stephen A. Smith said uh, the New Orleans um, diners love when he comes because he eats the entire table, uh, comes out against Minnesota the other night they get the W 36 points shot 10 for defensive team in the league yeah um Simon Williamson proving some doubters wrong even with his weight uh hopefully he can slim slim down a little bit uh I'll touch on the Bulls real quick uh they suck they need to (laughs) blow it up I saw today that they are looking to buy pieces to try to make a run in my right hole yeah, I saw that today. I don't know what the hell they're thinking. They're at nine and fifteen, and they want to do that. Kill me. Yeah. yeah, just, just not. I don't know, man. Just not the right move at all. I don't understand your reasoning behind that at all. Um, they went on one short four-game win streak, and all of a sudden they think they're back in the hunt. Yeah, no, no, Mickey Mouse four-game win streak, but they <laughs> did play better with Zach Levine out, so maybe that's an issue. Uh, LeBron James continues to be one of the best players in the NBA. Lakers, they won the in-season tournament. LeBron is 38 years old. He averages 25, seven and a half, and six and a half. Uh, it's just ridiculous what he's doing. He turns 39 at the end of the month. Um, continues to just be great. Um, top two all time. Personally, I think Jordan is the GOAT, but it wouldn't be impossible to say LeBron James is the greatest basketball player of all time. Yeah, I wanted to say my next time around to talk about the Suns, but I want to piggyback off the LeBron thing first. What LeBron is doing right now is at a whole nother level. About to turn 39 years old. He's gonna compete, he's gonna be on all NBA if he continues to play like this. The only thing that'll stop him is if he doesn't play enough games. But he's been doing this on load management. The Lakers outside of the in-season tournament where he was playing all those minutes, he's been managed all season long and he's still been phenomenal. If he can be an all NBA player at 39, 40, 41. I know you guys are Bulls fans, so you're gonna have your bias. I, I like think it's bias. I like to consider myself an impartial third party. I don't. Th- I think it's hard. It's hard not to say that he. It's there's a genuine conversation. I know Bulls fans tend to be like, oh, one hundred percent. There's a conversation a to be had. Like this, it's six, it's not clear, cut rings, and dry. Six rings, twenty five years of All NBA. Like that's <laughs> tough, man. Twenty five okay. years. He's year 21 right now, right? I thought it was 21. Well, he said he wants to play till Bryce, so that's three or four more years. We'll see how he plays. But if I'm saying if he can continue what he's doing right now into his 40s, that's 
it's something insane. It's I'm glad that we're living in a time where we get to watch this because this truly is. We're not going to see this again, probably not for a very long time ever. But uh, to focus on my Phoenix Suns a little bit here, um, I still feel fine about the Suns. They're sitting at twelve and ten. They lost in the first round of the in season tournament on a controversial timeout where the ball was not in possession of any team. Did the should, the Suns should have won that game without that happening, regardless, or with that happening, regardless. Uh, but it it did suck to see that. Not too really concerned though. The Lakers have beat the Suns three times this year, but like you said, they haven't been healthy yet. They played zero games together. It's been a lot of just KD and a lot of just book and a good amount of book and KD. But Beal comes back tonight, Tuesday night. We'll play the Warriors. We'll see how that happens. The Warriors have been just the definition of mid across the board all season. Uh, I like the Suns' chances in that game. In Beal's first game back, he'll be load managed. Uh, KD is, I think he has an ankle sprain. He heard it in that uh, aforementioned Lakers game, and he's been out ever since. I expect him to probably be back by Friday. Uh, the Suns have a back to back. They play tonight and tomorrow night. I assume either KD plays tomorrow night and Beal sits, or they both sit and play Friday. Uh, but I'm just hoping in the next four days that the Suns can or Buck can stay healthy and get to see the big three on Friday. That would be great. Regardless of all the injuries they've had this season and how many games they've played with just one of the three stars or occasionally two, they're still 12th in offensive efficiency. They're still 14th in defensive efficiency. That offensive efficiency is just going to go way up when the big three in the lineup. I don't see a way they don't finish top five if the big three continue to play together uh, to finish out this season. I don't see a way they're not top five. The defense isn't going to get worse either with BLM. You have guys like Grayson Allen, who have been great on both sides of the ball, shooting the lights out from three. He's been one of the best three-point shooters this year. I know he was two for a long time. I don't know where he sits now. Uh, he's been great defensively as well, which has been a pleasant surprise. You've had a lot of inconsistent guys. KBD, uh, Kade Bates-Diop, he's been inconsistent from the four. Josh Okogie and uh, Jordan Goodwin are basically the same player. They're both insane high-motor players, good rebounders for guards, good defenders, uh, both really inconsistent on offense. Uh, just both of those guys not having to be on the court ever at the same time is going to be nice when Peel gets back in the lineup uh, because it's just insane to have two players like that at once. But And then Yusuf Nurkic, very up and down. He's had games like against the Lakers where he played phenomenal, like one of the best centers in the league. And he has games where I cannot believe that he, the Suns actually thought about trading for him. Uh, but like I said from day one, I thought Grayson Allen was the best part of that deal. It's proven to be right. Uh, the Suns just need to get healthy. And the bigs, Nurk and Drew Eubanks, have to continue to play at least okay because the offense is going to improve. Yeah, I mean, you talked about your sons. I kind of want to go a little bit into the Bulls, more specifically Kobe White. He's having a phenomenal year. Uh, he's, especially as of late, since Levine has gone out, over the last like four or five games, he's shooting like 50% from the field, 50% from three on like over nine attempts per game. He's just playing phenomenal in the overtime game. He shot 12 for 20 uh, from the field and six for 10 from three uh, against the Bucks. He dropped 33 points. I think he only had like one, maybe two turnovers. And he's also getting a decent amount of assists too in an offense that's dominated by Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, who are both ball dominant guards or forwards, whatever you want to call DeMar. But Hopefully they I'm glad they didn't give up on him like they gave up on Laurie or Wendell Carter. I'm glad they re-signed him for a few more years. I hope they do the same with Pat Williams. It seems like he's really starting to come into his own uh, offensively. He's settling into a rhythm. I don't have his stats pulled up at the moment, but 
you just see that without Zach on the floor, he seems a little bit more decisive. He's learning to cut without the ball. And with Kobe White or DeMar with the ball in their hands, they actually look for the pass. So that's also very inspiring. But the Bulls, like you said, Mike, they got to blow it up. Uh, I'd trade DeMar before the deadline. They probably won't get much for him because he needs an extension. Uh, I'd trade Levine as well and Vooch, trade all three of them. You would probably be able to get something for Caruso, but you definitely could get something for Caruso, but I would be asking for the moon and more in a trade for him because he's so intelligent on the defensive end and he's shooting over 40% from three on the offensive end this year. He's been phenomenal and you cannot say enough good things about Caruso, but Vooch, Damar, and Zach, they all got to go. Yeah, I just want to talk about two more teams real quick. Um, both of the worst teams in the league at this point, San Antonio Spurs, they got Wembanyama. They have lost 17 straight games now. Um, it's It's been brutal for them. Uh, I think they're playing Wemby at center now. He's only had about, I think, 17% of his minutes at center. So they're trying to change things up. But uh, these two teams, the other being the Pistons, I think they're going to start competing for the uh, the worst record of all time. I think it's like 7-59. and 59. Um, Both of them terrible. The Pistons, uh, Monty Williams, I don't know what's going on there. They're not playing their first-round pick enough as they should. Um, and they're just terrible. They're 2-21. and 21. Um, not, they've lost 19 straight games. It's kind of a battle for who's worse, who's going to... 20 now. 20. 2 and 20. I mean... Yeah, 20. Uh, both teams are terrible. Both teams continue to be terrible. Uh, their last five games for the Pistons, they've only scored 101 points per 100 possessions. Uh, if you couldn't tell, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's horrible. Um, yeah, the Sun give Suns fans maybe a little bit of credit for being critical of Monty Williams. Uh, the Suns fired him, and uh, you hate to see this, because I honestly do think he's a really good guy. He's had some pretty horrible things happen in his life recently. Uh, so you hate to see he was going to take the year off coaching. He decided not to. And then for him not to do that, the Pistons just begged for him. They got him. And now it's just, it's been a tough season for them. And it's just crazy to me how San Antonio is so bad. They're the worst defensive team statistically in the league right now. We're tied for worse with Portland and Memphis uh, with Wendy, who's going to be this defensive freak. Uh, but it just shows you the rest of their team just isn't where it needs to be. Um, before we finish up here, I just wanted to talk about a, uh, our preseason predictions, see how they're looking right now, see if you guys would change anything if you could. Uh, right now, personally, for me, uh, I had Milwaukee, Boston, uh, Phoenix, and Denver for my final four. I actually wouldn't change that as of right now. Uh, we talked about the Suns pretty in depth already. They're going to get when they get healthy, uh, if they're healthy for the playoffs, similar to those Nets teams. I mean, look at those Nets teams. They never played together. The one time they played together in the playoffs, they got all the way to an inch away from being in the NBA finals with KD's toe being on the line. So it really, and they just sneaked. I think they were like a seven seed that year. They just snuck in the playoffs and did what they had to do. I expect the Suns to do a similar thing. Hopefully maybe not get a seven seed and have to play in the play-in. But regardless, I would stick with the Suns. We haven't talked about the Denver Nuggets yet. Um, I would stick with the Denver Nuggets as well. Uh, they've still been a pretty solid team this year. Jokic is going to go clean up and win another MVP. They haven't had Jamal Murray for most of the season. Uh, so far, which obviously desperately hurts them. He's their second best player by far. People like to overrate the hell out of Aaron Gordon and MPJ, uh, but it's by far Jamal Murray is their second best player. Uh, so when they get him back, I think they'll be fine. Another team that just needs to get healthy. I still think Denver and Phoenix are the two most talented teams in the West. And when they get healthy and figure it out, I think they'll come out on top. In the East, uh, we talked about 
Boston. I think I still have Boston. The other team I had was Milwaukee. This is maybe the only team I would consider dropping, maybe for Philly. I'm not going to, though. My concerns after the Drew Holiday trade, I think we said it on the episode where we talked about uh, losing Drew Holiday and getting Dame, is how little perimeter defense Milwaukee has. And it is really showing so far. They've been their 23rd in defense. Their offense has been fantastic. I mean, they have Damian Lillard and Giannis, and Giannis has been playing at an MVP level as much as I hate to admit it. He has been. Um, but their defense has been really, really bad this year. And if they don't clean that up, teams like like Tyrese Maxey will destroy that defense if they try to come out. I mean, who are they going to put Chris Middleton on him? Because you can't put Giannis on him. I don't know what they're going to do at that point. Uh, don't want to put Dame on him either. So I think that is very concerning. But with that being said, I just favor star power. I'm I'm going to just stick with my exact predictions. Suns over Denver, Boston over Milwaukee. Suns over Boston, just got to stay healthy. If they don't get healthy, I don't. Uh, for my like uh, conference finals and NBA finals predictions, I'll probably stick with my same as well. I think I had Suns Nuggets and then Celtics Bucks, and then it was Suns Celtics in the finals I think I had. And I had the Suns winning in six, maybe seven. I don't remember exactly. I didn't write it down because we kind of came up with it uh, spur of the moment. But for my West teams, I picked Suns, Nuggets, Clippers, and Warriors. I'd probably substitute Clippers and Warriors for the Timberwolves and the Thunder. Like we mentioned before, the Timberwolves are astounding defensively in the Thunder. They've just turned into a much better team way faster than I expected. So I think they can stay in that four or five seed range. Uh, Keep track of the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, They... I don't like their backcourt defense because Kyrie and Luca, they're not defensive players, but they can make up for it on offense. I don't know how I'd like them in a game in a series against, I don't know, Phoenix. Cause who, who are they going to have to guard Beal book and KD? Then again, not many teams are going to be able to do that regardless of where they're at. But anyways, over in the East, I had uh preseason. I had Celtics bucks, Cavs, 76ers, uh, Cavs are still in the mix. 76ers are sitting at the four while Celtics and Bucks are one and three respectively. I don't think I'm ready to change my prediction yet. I think I think Orlando will probably slow down a little bit. And I do believe in Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland with the Cavs and Evan Mobley and Jarrett Allen defensively in the paint. So I think with the East, I'll probably keep my same prediction. But if Orlando proves me wrong, then they prove me wrong. Yeah, for my East Finals prediction, I had Celtics versus Bucks. I don't think I would change that, but I wouldn't be shocked if it was Celtics versus 76ers at this point. I think the 76ers have been a better team. Uh, they've gotten Embiid back. He took two games off. They got Ubre back after getting hit by a car. Um, but I think I'll stick with the Bucks. I think they're going to figure it out. They're, Giannis and Dame are too good, too talented to not figure it out. And then for the West, I'm pretty sure I had Nuggets, Suns. I'll probably keep that. I think both teams will get healthy by playoff time. It's almost impossible to guard the Nuggets, Murray and Jokic pick and roll. And I think I had the finals of Nuggets versus Celtics. And uh, I'll take the Nuggets to win that again still. So I the Nuggets repeat, go back to back. I don't know if anyone can guard Murray and Jokic. So I think they continue to dominate. Yeah, I can't even like think off the top of my head who what would even be like a good matchup for that pick and roll, honestly. I don't think there is one. I think you just have to outscore them. I think that's yeah. just what it comes down to. And hope that but, the uh, rest miss shots. Yeah, well, that's honestly what, yeah. Because I think I saw that out of all the players on the Nuggets, KCP leads in, in assists from Jokic. Uh, so if Jokic is passing out like that and getting KCP 
shots that he's going to knock down over and over and over. That's just, that's tough to guard, man. That's really, really tough to guard, but I think we can move on from the NBA now. Start focus on focusing on NFL week 15. Uh, we got a three Saturday games, a Monday game, a Thursday game this week, and then a regular Sunday slate, but we will start on Thursday night football chargers at Raiders. We got the news today. Justin Herbert is out for the season uh, with that fractured. What can you show me the finger again, Zach? It was the right index, yeah, index finger, finger. <laughs> pointer yeah. finger for those non-medical <laughs> folks at home. Yeah. 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 Trigger finger to some, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's Justin Herbert is out for the season and uh, it's brutal. You hate to see it on his throwing hand. Uh, the chargers, I, I think kind of maybe just threw in the towel on this one. If they were in the playoff race, still maybe they don't uh, bench him for the season. I just feel like they probably don't. They're kind of just a sad and dead team right now. And it's going to be Easton stick. And Max Duggan uh, for them. I would love to see Easton Six suck and get some Max Duggan action in the Chargers. I think that would be sick. He's a rookie. Obviously, he was a star at TCU uh, up until that last game when he had to play a SEC team. But he was really, really good uh, for most of that season. Uh, But the Raiders, they do struggle to score the ball. There's a Chargers defense. Last time we saw this, Khalil Mack had six sacks. Uh, against Aiden O'Connell. Uh, that could be a big problem for them. I definitely worry about that. This game is in Vegas. I don't have it in front of me, but I feel like the Raiders just play better at home. I just feel like they suck dick on the road, but I don't I don't have it in front of me. Uh, the Raiders defense, though, has been playing super well. We've been talking about how great they've been playing. Um, I, lo- I think they continue that, especially against Easton Stick and this Chargers offense that really struggled to score last week without Herbert. They did score one touchdown, I think, at the end, but... I'm actually going to take the Raiders at home in this game. Uh, I just like the Raiders more. I think out of – I know the Chargers defense has shown flashes at times, and they have a ton of talent. I think if you take Chargers offense, Chargers defense, Raiders offense, Raiders defense, I think I'm taking Raiders defense out of all four right now. I think they're just playing super well, uh, and I would I see them continuing to do that. Uh, if Max Crosby can get to Easton Stick, it'll be a problem. I like the Raiders at home. Yeah, I'm going with the Raiders as well. Uh, you mentioned Khalil Mack earlier. He had six in the last time these two teams matched up. I don't think he gets to 21 total sacks on the year this game, but I wouldn't rule out him setting a new career high by getting two, three, maybe four sacks. So I'm definitely hoping that he does that because former Bear obviously got to root for him. But unfortunately, I'm choosing the Raiders. I think Max Crosby is going to have a field day on a backup quarterback. And the Chargers, they just, if it was a situation like the Bengals where they've had a couple weeks with their backup, the receivers get a little bit more chemistry rather than just one week and just throwing them into the offense, seeing what happens. Uh, I think I'd have a little bit more confidence, but Stick's first start of the season, I don't think he's going to come out with a lot of confidence. And I expect the Raiders who just seem to be more, not more, but a little bit more well-oiled than the Chargers right now in terms of their offensive uh production and their health and consistency so i'm going with the raiders yeah there's most likely i'd assume no josh jacobs this week he picked up a knee injury late in the last game so it'll be mostly zamir white or Emil or abdullah um it was a quad injury my bad um uh, i would expect this to be a lot of passing from the raiders uh the Chargers defense is 29th against the pass they average 261.9 yards per game O'Connell has had at least 32 pass attempts in the past three games. I'd expect that to continue. I think the Raiders are going to be able to pass on the Chargers. I'm not a fan of Brandon Staley or this team at all. And I think Max Crosby continues to dominate. He had two sacks last week, and I think he picks up another one this week. I think the Raiders win and cover. 
All right, moving on here to the first Saturday game then. Vikings at Bengals. Uh, looks like Mullins is replacing Josh Dobbs. We got that information today. We saw it at the end of that uh, uh, Raiders game where he didn't put up a single point. Dobbs didn't, and he gave Jefferson the hospital ball. Um, so Dobbs has been benched now. We have backup quarterback Jake Browning in for the Bengals. He's been playing fantastic for them in Joe Burrow's absence. Uh, I expect that to continue. This Vikings defense has been pretty solid. Uh, as we know, Brian Flores has been super aggressive, and that's been helping them out a lot, especially against teams with battle lines. Bengals are middle of the pack, uh, but regardless, I'd expect them to be aggressive. Uh, whichever QB, though, plays better in this game, I feel like it's going to be the QB to win because both these defensive defenses have been playing pretty solid over the past few weeks. And I just like Jake Browning, and I like the Bengals quarterback situation better, and I like the Bengals being at home. Uh, so I'm going with Cincinnati. I'm going with Cincinnati as well, despite my better judgment of Brian Flores and his scheme has a lot of success against younger quarterbacks, especially with how much he blitzes. If your offense doesn't have uh, hot routes in it, then you might be screwed. But with uh, having Joe Burrow as your quarterback, I expect that the Bengals have had those in place, so it'll make life a little bit easier for Browning. Jamar Chase and this offense were able to put up 34 points despite him only getting three catches for over 20 yards. Uh, 20 total yards, not three 20-plus yard catches. Um, I expect the the duo of T. Higgins and Jamar Chase to really tear up this inconsistent Viking secondary, especially if they face man coverage a lot, which Flores tends to do. I trust Browning. I think he's going to continue his great play, so I'm going Cincinnati. Yeah, I'm going to go Cincinnati as well. Jake Browning has been very good so far this season. 17 for a 102, 924 yards, 5-2 to two touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, another game of two backup quarterbacks. There seems to be a lot of those. Um, Vikings only put up three points last week. I kind of expect a, a lower scoring game in this one, but I think the Bengals are able to pull it out at home. I hope Justin Jefferson is available to play. It'd be pretty cool to see Jefferson versus Chase, the old college teammates go against each other and see who can have the the better game. But that'll be uh, probably a game time decision. But I think Cincinnati's, they looked better these last few weeks. I think they are able to win this one at home. All right. Sorry, I was looking for the Bedard to score tonight prop on, <laughs> on ESPN bet. It's such a big scroll down. But um, moving on here to your team, Mike, Steelers at Colts, the 3 o'clock, 3.30 game on uh, Saturday playing in the uh, SEC hole there uh the Steelers defense has not been uh pretty it has not been great over the past few weeks we saw it in the first quarter against a horrible New England offense they didn't play well they've still been solid because they're a really good defense but they haven't been playing to their full potential the past few weeks both their edge rushers now are banged up with Watt and Highsmith uh I don't know it's Tuesday it's too early to tell we don't know who's going and who's not for the Steelers but losing any one of those guys would hurt them um, I would like to see the Colts defense play aggressively and just get at Mitch Trubisky. I think if you get at, and they don't even necessarily have to blitz. They haven't really had to blitz a ton of, a ton this season. Uh, but regardless, I would like to see them play aggressively, get to Mitch, force some under pressure throws, make him make some bad reads and turn him over early in this game. It's going to be a monster game for the playoffs, two, seven and six teams. And I've just been riding with the Colts at home this season. I'm going to continue that trend and rock with the Colts at home. Yeah, this is our third straight game uh, of the week that we are seeing two backup quarterbacks face each other compared to the seat, the starters coming into the season. Uh, I like Gardner Minshew a lot more than I like Mitch Trubisky, regardless of the defenses they play against. I don't think Pittsburgh is going to score very much. 
they were only able to put up 18 against the New England Patriots last week. And I just, I don't trust them at all. Uh, Indy, however, I like Josh Downs, Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce against this secondary, even though Pittsburgh secondary is quite solid. I think Downs is going to do a lot of work in the slot. I think Pierce is going to be a lot more threatening downfield considering he's actually caught a, caught a couple goal balls uh, compared to weeks past. And yeah, I said it before, trust Gardner Minshew a lot more than Mitch. So I'm going Indy. Yeah, I think this is just going to be a battle of the defenses, really. Cole's defense, their third and sacks so far this year. Hopefully their secondary gets better with Juju Brents coming back. Hopefully this week he practiced towards the talent of the week but was unable to go during the game. I just don't think the Steelers' offense is going to be able to score that much. Uh, they're the first ever team to be above 500 and lose two consecutive games to teams that were both eight games below 500. They seem to be trending down, and uh, I think the Colts can get it done. Um, I don't think Jonathan Taylor will play. I think Zach Moss will probably start. But I think no matter what, I think this offense will be able to outscore. We're 1-0, I'm pretty sure, on Saturday games. Maybe 1-1. One one. But I just like the Colts in this one. We're at home. Uh, they're not good against the Steelers. They have not beat the Steelers in a pretty long time. I think we're able to change that finally. All right. So moving on here then to Broncos at Lions, the night game on Saturday. Uh, the Lions need to bounce back after last week in Chicago. Uh, I've been saying it. I said it last episode. I said it last night on our live podcast on Twitter. Um, the Lions have to win two out of the next four. They got the Broncos. They go into Minnesota. Then they go into Dallas and then home against Minnesota. I like the game against the Broncos at home, and I like the home game against Minnesota at the end of the season. You win those two, you're going to win the division. You're going to get the three seed regardless. The problem is you have to win those games. I'm not as confident about Minnesota as I was a couple weeks ago when Dobbs was playing well, uh, but shouldn't have fell for that pattern. Every time Dobbs goes somewhere and gets a start, you saw it in, in Arizona, and you saw it at times in Tennessee. He starts out really, really well, shocks the world. He's the number one trending thing on Twitter, and then you start to hear less and less and less and less, and then all of a sudden he's not on the team anymore. It's just how it's been. It's a pattern that's repeated itself, and it's happened again here in Minnesota. So I'm not as worried about Minnesota now as I was before. But I might be worried about Minnesota because of the Lions' O-line injuries and how the Minnesota plays their their defense. Taylor Decker was added to the Lions' O-line injuries today. He did not. He would not have practiced today if there was practice today. Um, Ragnow would have been limited today. Hopefully he comes back this game on Saturday. It's unlikely, uh, but there is a good chance that the Lions could be down three of their five O-linemen. It's been a problem all season, injuries in general, but especially this O-line injuries. And it's made it so the Lions can't run the ball like they need to, and that's been the biggest reason why this offense hasn't succeeded in the past few weeks is because, I mean, they succeeded early and often against uh, the Saints, but that's to a lot of the credit of the defense, uh, who's played actually pretty good the past two weeks outside of they had a tough couple quarters in, in New Orleans. But regardless, the Lions need to get their own line back so they can continue to run the ball. Fortunately, Denver's run defense is bottom of the league, uh, bottom half of the league, and the Lions should be able to enforce their will. Hopefully they have three of five. I'm hoping that, I mean, maybe you keep the tackles and then you have Jonah and then you just have to have Glasgow at center, and then I guess I guess Swords all playing guard. But having Ragnow out is just such a big problem for them because they're forced to have to go and take uh, Graham Glasgow and put him at center, which then leaves an open guard spot for a position that the Lions are just not deep at right now. You went into the season with Jonah, 
Vitae in Glasgow. Jonah has had probably his worst season of the uh, of his career so far, uh, but he's still been okay, I guess. Vitae never plays, got hurt, and Graham Glasgow has been great replacing the guys that have been out. But if he has to play center and you have to have swords all guard, that's a problem. So hopefully we can get Ragnar back. That would be huge. Uh, I like the Lions getting a big win here. I think they're going to win this game. They were they opened up as like three point favorites. They're up to five now. Uh, the public's on the Lions, which scares me a bit, but it's whatever. Uh, they're pretty close to clinching the North if they win this game, uh, especially if uh, our predictions from earlier are correct and Minnesota loses. That would make it so the Lions have to lose out and the Vikings have to win out for them to lose the division. So getting a win here is just huge for the season. Um, golf, I think, will have a better game if the run game gets established, even with a beat up O line. I think this run defense, they play. I mean, the Lions didn't play horrible running the ball against the Bears. The Bears are the number one run defense in the league right now. So playing against the Broncos, I think even with that beat up O line, I think they'll be okay. Uh, not great. And I just want to see Jamison Williams get some targets, man. And he only gets the ball like twice a game. He's been on a lot of jet sweeps recently, which is a great way to get him the ball. But you can do that and also throw him the football. I don't know how that hasn't been drawn up. A lot of other guys are on the field. I like Josh Reynolds. He's been on the field a lot. Uh, I like DPJ, but he's been on the field a lot. And I just want to see JMO get some targets. And Amon Ross St. Brown's going to have a bounce back game. The, him dropping a ball against Chicago, he probably still thinking about that. And I think he's going to bounce back. He'll probably have something like eight catches, 100 yards. I have a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that Amon Ra. He's had two uh, underwhelming performances in a row, honestly. Uh, maybe even dating back to that uh, week 11 matchup against Chicago. But he, like you said, I definitely think he's going to bounce back. Key for Detroit this game is going to be getting the run game going. They only ran the ball uh, 21 times between Gibbs and Monty last week, both of which got 66 yards. So that's what, uh, 132 combined between the two of them? So. You got to keep going to them, and especially with Denver not having the best run defense and a secondary that's headlined by Sertan and Justin Simmons, two really talented players who could be making a push for Pro Bowl, maybe even all pro this year with their uh, performance and the resurgence of this Denver defense. You never know. But with golf being as inconsistent as he's, inconsistent as he's been the last month or so, you call it the yips, Josh. I think it's just he's just in a funk. I don't think it's the yips, but you, you call it what you want. I think he gets back on track against the Denver defense who has been playing a little bit better, but I think they're going to rely on the run game. And with that run game, it's going to come to play action with the play action. You're going to get Amon Ra involved, maybe a couple JMO deep shots. You should get a couple JMO deep shots, but you never know. I'm going Detroit. I think their defense is a bounce back performance and so does their run game. Yeah. Right now I don't trust this Detroit defense at all. Broncos are 6-1 and one in their past seven games. Their defense has been very good. They have a plus 11 turnover margin in that time, and they're only giving up 15 points per game. Uh, their secondary has been very, very good. Their pass rush had struggled at first, but it's starting to heat up. They had four sacks last week, I think. And the Lions have really been the opposite. Uh, minus eight turnover margin that span, giving up 28.3 points per game. Goff has turned the ball over 12 times since week seven. Uh, this is a battle of one team's trending upwards and one team seems to be trending downwards. I'm going to go with the Broncos. Um, I just like that trend of the turnovers. I think the Broncos win the turnover battle. Um, and their defense has been – I can trust their defense right now a lot more than I can trust the Lions. All right. Moving on to the aforementioned Chicago Bears then as we move to the Sunday slate here. Uh, Bears at Browns. Uh, this should be a very interesting matchup. Uh, the big thing for me is this Browns defense and their pass rush. 
they're going to be able to get to fields? Do we see the magic man fields where he just escapes sacks out of nowhere like we see sometimes from him? Or do we see him take some sacks that he shouldn't be taking? I think he's going to have a hard time swerving out of sacks this game with Miles Garrett's Darius Smith. Uh, I think the O-line is going to struggle greatly. Uh, for their offense, though, uh, the Browns' run game has not been fantastic, uh, despite having won all these games without Nick Chubb. They're playing this Bears defense that I said earlier. They are the best run defense in the league, statistically, as of right now. Uh, actually, I think I think in yards per game, it's it's Niners, so though. I'm not, I'm not positive. I think it might be Niners in yards per game, but regardless – uh, they've been the best run defense over the past however many weeks. Uh, Flacco is going to look to pass. Can he pick it up in touchdowns this week? I believe he only needs two for that. Uh, he's going to have to carry a heavy load. Uh, the Browns just got to be able to maintain Montez Sweat. If you stop him, Flacco's going to have a ton of time in the pocket. He's not going to have to move around. He'll be able to hit his targets. And I'm still not sold on this Bears secondary whatsoever outside of risk grabbing a couple of good games and Jalen Johnson being a good player who's going to get paid a lot of money. Uh, it looks like this offseason now that he's starting to rack up these picks, even though he's had a few freebies and he's dropped a few as well. Oh my God. Well, but, regard- <laughs> but yeah, regard- he's been good in coverage. Uh, he should have more picks and he's had a, he's had a couple like, uh, I don't remember. I, I remember one was just like a golf chuck uh, that he just happened to be the, the DB that happened to get it uh, out of all the DBs standing there. Someone was going to grab it. Uh, but regardless, uh, he's going to get a lot of money this offseason. Outside of him, uh, I don't have any confidence in this bear secondary whatsoever. Uh, I like what Joe Flacco's been doing. I like the Browns at home. Uh, it's going to be a tough game for both teams, but I like Cleveland. Um, I talked a little bit about this uh, during our last episode. If Chicago wins this game, this the entire rest of the season can turn into a very interesting mess for the Bears. I had them, I think I predicted them somewhere between seven and nine wins this year. And if they win this game, I have no doubt in my mind that they'll reach seven or nine, seven or eight, because this is easily their toughest test since, or their most important game since that green Bay game that we started the season with. And we saw how that turned out. However, Cleveland is going to be missing their stu- their two starting tackles in Dewan Jones and Jedrick Wills. Wills was just thrown on IR and will miss the rest of the regular season at the very least, probably the postseason as well. I don't remember exactly. Uh, if it was like just a season ending or he was just thrown on IR, but that allows for guys like Montez sweat to penetrate the backfield and force Joe Flacco, who is not mobile to stand in there and try and make some tough throws. Uh, David and Joku had over 90 yards and a couple touchdowns last week, but the bears have some really solid linebackers back there. They got TJ Edwards. Who's having an all pro level season intermate Edmonds, who is gelled into this defense very nicely compared to how he started the year. I'm going to stick with my Bears. I think this is going to be a really ugly game, probably a 16 to 13 type of game. It's going to be a lot of punts. Uh, The plays that are going to be super important are the big ones where there's a blown defensive assignment where DJ Moore or Amari Cooper on either side just breaks free for a 40-yard gain, puts them in field goal range, or just for a touchdown in general. There's going to be a lot of Big Ten uh, punts in here, and I'm just going to roll with my guys. Uh, in Chicago, and I'm taking the Bears. Um, the Bears, they've won three of their last four games, and the only loss was a game where they had an embarrassing choke to the Lions. They should have won that game. Over that stretch, Justin Fields, well, overall this season, he's been solid enough. Uh, 1,800 yards, 13 touchdowns, and six interceptions. 
Uh, he's their leading rusher when he plays, 458 yards, two touchdowns. He's been good for him. I guess if you're a Bears fan and you were asked that at the start of the season, if you take those stats, I'm assuming you might. He has missed a few games, so you got to count that in, too. Montez Sweat, the trade deadline acquisition, has been great for them. Three and a half sacks in the past three weeks. He's only half a sack behind their leading sacker, currently Yannick Ngakwe, who has played all 13 games for him. But I just can't get the last time these two teams played. I think it was the last time out of my head. Uh, I think it was Justin Fields' debut game. 47 total yards on 42 plays, uh, nine sacks. The Browns defense just absolutely feasted on Justin Fields. It was just a terrible game to watch. Um, I think this defense is going to have a great day again. And there's just something about Flacco. I'm going to keep keep going with Flacco. I want to see him succeed. I want to see him play the Ravens in the playoffs and get a revenge win. That would go crazy. Um, I'm going to go with the Browns to win this game. I think the defense is going to dominate again. Part of my pick here was just wanting, I'm just rooting for Joe Flacco. If the Lions don't win the Super Bowl, that is who I want to win the Super Bowl. That would just be, wow. <laughs> that would be insane. I mean, it's possible. I mean, it's funny to me though because like it's a similar situation to the Jet, the Jets, with losing their quarterback, having one of the best defenses in the league, and Joe Flacco was on the Jets what a year and a half ago. Yeah. They, and the way the Joe right. Flacco's playing right now, I mean. It's you can't say it would be the same, but it's just funny. It's just like, Stefanski's got to be in the fight for coach of the year right now. Stefanski? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. He's got to be top three, I, top five. I saw that Dan Campbell was still favored, which kind of shocked me. But I don't know if that is. It was like last week I saw that. I don't know if he's still favored, but I don't know. Kinda, maybe kind of uh, going back to Flacco. If he somehow takes this team to the Super Bowl, do we? Well, prior to that, do we think he's in the Hall of Fame right now? No. Would you put him in the Hall of Fame right now or no? I would uh, say probably maybe, not. Maybe, maybe it's as of right now, probably ballot. not. Well, easily no, not first ballot, but like at all, would you throw him in there? He's got a ring. Obviously, the whole. I'd have, I'd have to look. At, I'd have to look at the stats. I mean, but if he wins this one, coming in as a backup. I mean, if he wins, he wins this yeah. year. He's yeah. in. If yeah. he wins this year, I think it's like you gotta throw him in there. He's definitely in. The Browns have just so faced. Long. All the adversity this year. I mean, I compl- I'm complaining. Of- yeah, exactly. I'm complaining about injuries a lot, and the Browns fans have everything to complain about in the world. But uh, regardless, we can move on here. Uh, talk about a couple other NFC teams: Bucks and Packers. Uh, the Packers are coming off a bad loss. We talked about it at the top of this episode against the Giants. The game they should not have lost. Kind of threw that one away when they when it was given to them, and they were not able to win that game. Uh, I can see this Packers offense struggling again against this Bucks defense, especially in the red zone. They've been super good. The Giants defense is not that good, and Jordan Love struggled last week. It's a lot of, with these young quarterbacks, especially in their first season starting, it's a lot of rhythm stuff. Sometimes you just get a rhythm, you'll beat up on some bad, on some good defenses. And then, I mean, he didn't play some good defenses, but for <laughs> for the sake of the argument, some young quarterbacks will go beat up on some good defenses and then go play one bad defense, lose, and then go on a bad streak again. They can be very streaky with a really young offense in general. I can see them struggling against this Bucks defense. Uh, the Packers defense hopefully gets Jair Alexander back this week. That would be huge for them. They've been playing solid regardless all season. Uh, they're honestly a big reason why the Packers don't ha- even have the opportunity to win out here and have a shot at the playoffs is because of how good they played earlier in the season when the offense is nothing. Uh, overall, I think the Packers defense is going to come to play. Uh, shut down 
the Bucks offense more than the Falcons were able to last week, giving them 30 points, basically. And it's in Lambeau. Uh, I like the Packers here, sadly. Honestly, this is the one game on the schedule that I didn't really know who to pick. Tampa Bay, they've got much better receivers and just weapons in general than the Giants. And the Giants took the Packers uh, to the end of the game and somehow won. So it all depends on your point of view on Baker Mayfield. I think we're all in a similar boat where, yeah, he was cool early on, but teams are starting to figure him out and how he operates within this Tampa offense. But the Giants don't have a receiver like Mike Evans. He's been phenomenal this year. We've talked about him a little bit. He's got a thousand yards in each of his uh, seasons in the NFL. He's just the model of consistency, efficiency, and just great play from a receiver. And I think he's probably going to have a really good game, regardless if Jair Alexander is here. If Jair does come back, he's gonna probably going to have to shake off some rust. He's going to have to get acclimated. And whether he uh, lines up against Chris Godwin or Mike Evans, he's probably going to be in for a decently rough day. However, I do think Jordan Love does bounce back, but I don't think it'll be enough. Maybe it's wishful thinking. I'm going with Tampa here. Yeah, I've talked about how I'm not a fan of the Florida teams going up to the cold weather teams, and this is a prime example of that. Tampa Bay flying to Green Bay, playing at Lambeau. Uh, Last week, it was the Jags flying up to Cleveland. Wasn't a fan of it, but Packers, they have a lot of injuries. Uh, Jaden Reed did pick up an injury. Uh, Dontavian Wicks will most likely be out with a high ankle sprain. Watson's hurt. They're missing a lot of pieces, and I think this Bucks team just knows that they have to keep winning, and Baker's been playing great. Mike Evans was um, didn't have a good week last week. I think he'll bounce back. So I am going to go with the Buccaneers. Um, I'm probably going to regret this pick because I'm just not a fan of the the warm teams going to the cold, uh, cold stadium. But I just think the red zone defense is going to slow down Jordan Love. Maybe it's another game where he has to try to come back in the second half and is unable to, but we'll see. I got the Bucks. I got to root for the damn Packers. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, moving on here, uh, AFC South matchup: Texans at Titans. Uh, we talked about it at the top of this one. Will Levis got his biggest win as a rookie in Miami in a huge comeback win last week. Uh, I want to give some credit that we didn't really give uh, in Monday. And when we talked about Monday Night Football, is how well the Titans defense played last last uh, yesterday. They played really, really well. They made a lot of plays, especially on third down uh, in that game against Miami. They were put, they gave up 28 points or 27 points, but they were put in a lot of rough spots. We saw with the punts, we saw with some turnovers and plus territory from the offense. They were put in some really tough spots and they did what they could for the most part. Uh, the Texans do, they hope CJ Stroud will come back. He's in concussion protocol. We'll see if he does come back. I don't know. Did you guys see anything about that yet? I have not, no. Looking it up. A little, right little too early to tell, I would assume. Uh, Texans are two and four away from Houston so far this year. This game is in Tennessee. Um, there's a chance CJ Stroud doesn't play. The last we saw of the Texans, uh, they got kind of got stomped in that second half. Not kind of, they did get stomped in that second half against the Jets, uh, in an away game, and they struggled against Zach Wilson. Uh, the Titans got some momentum now. Like I just said, with a young quarterback with momentum, uh, you can ride that out and play against some good teams. I almost like Miami's defense more than the Texans' defense. Actually, I do like Miami's defense more than the Texans' defense. And the Titans' offense did enough, overcame their mistakes, and won that game. I'm going to play it safe, and if Stroud doesn't play, I'm going to take the Titans here. And even if he does play, I still kind of like the Titans. This is this is another weird game because Houston, especially with the Stroud injury, 
And last last week, we expected their defense to come out. They were probably coming out, licking their chops, seeing Zach Wilson in his first start after getting benched, thinking, oh, yeah, this will be some light work. He hangs 30 on him in the second half. So they definitely probably aren't feeling good about that. And they're seeing another young quarterback who happens to be a rookie across the way from them this week. I think they're going to come out hungry. They're going to be upset that they fucked up last week. And I think they're going to, regardless of who's at quarterback, I think they're going to shut down the Titans. They're going to focus in on Derrick Henry and then focus their, uh, on third downs, they're going to focus on DeAndre Hopkins and just pinning their ears back and getting to the quarterback. I think Will Anderson's going to have a really solid day, regardless of uh, Derrick Henry being back there and trying to nullify any type of pass rush that they tried to uh, impose on the Titans. I, I'm going with the Texans. I'm hoping Stroud plays. But even if he doesn't, I think Davis Mills will be able to scrounge up 13, 17 points to, to outscore Tennessee this week. Um, I think this is going to be a pretty close game, but I'm going to go with uh, Tennessee. Um, I'm not, we're not 100% sure CJ Stroud's playing or not. And even if he does, they lost Nico Collins last week, possibly for this week too. Um, they already lost Tank Dell. Who knows if Dalton Schultz will be back or not. I hope CJ Stroud plays. I'd like to see this battle, which is hopefully a, AFC South game for years to come between Stroud and Levis, but I'm not too certain Stroud will play. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks go into concussion protocol and miss at least one game. Uh, Titans are very good at home. Their only loss comes against the Colts in a game where their special teams just had a meltdown and gave up two block punts. They're, I think, four and one at home, so I'm going to go with the Titans in this one. I think Will Levis looked great last week. I think he will try to build off of that, keep getting the ball to Hopkins, keep getting to Tajay Spears. I think they take the lead early and are able to get Derrick Henry involved. So I think the Titans win this one at home. All right. Speaking of the Jets and the Dolphins, next game here, Jets at Dolphins. Um, The Dolphins should come out mad after that game that we just spoke about. Uh, them choking against the Titans late. They got to come out mad after that. Hopefully Tyree will play. He was banged up. He came back in that game. Uh, it's hard for me to believe that Miami just loses two uh, back back to back to two bad teams. Uh, but the Jets defense, as we know, is just so, so good. They can get to Tua early and often, and that is a problem for Tua. We've seen that his entire career, both in college and the NFL. I almost said the NBA. The NFL. Um, <laughs> we've seen when he gets pressured, he has not been the same guy. Uh, and if he doesn't have Tyreek, we know for sure he's not the same guy. Uh, although Zach Wilson was great in the second half last week, I like Miami's defense better than Houston's, like I just said. I like him a lot better than Houston's. I don't think he's going to be able to go hang 30 in the second half against this team. Uh, Regardless, I'm going to take the Dolphins at home. Um, They're usually really, really good at home. Last night might have been a fluke. I feel like they just kind of let their foot off the gas, and Will Levis cares maybe more than anybody on the field. So I'm going to go with Miami here. I'm going Miami as well. Uh, Like you said, I like Miami defense more than Houston's defense. Uh, Zach Wilson and the Jets offense, they might be able to generate some or continue this momentum that they generated in the second half of last week. Hopefully they continue to target Garrett Wilson early and often. Once again, Garrett, we are sorry for the situation you're in. Uh, But a lot of this game will depend on Tyreek Hill's health. He did come back into the game. I think you mentioned that it was without tape on that ankle. But regardless, I don't think he would have sat out the entirety of the second and third quarters and a little bit of the fourth quarter. If it wasn't something to be concerned about, I think he came in when he absolutely had to, and it worked out for the most part, but at the end, they just couldn't get it done. And I think part of that's on Tua and just kind of losing, gra- losing, losing, wow, a grasp on the moment 
where they just needed to get it done. They were still kind of shell-shocked that they allowed the two straight touchdowns and they just couldn't get it done. However, I think they bounced back. It'll be a low-scoring game in terms of Miami terms. Um, Jets' defense is really good. Their pass rush is probably going to put a lot of pressure on Tua. He's going to have to step up in the pocket, move around in that pocket a lot. And like you said, Josh, uh, he's not the greatest when he has to do that. However, I do like Miami's defense a lot more. I think they bounce back. I'm going Miami. Yeah, we saw this game a couple weeks ago, the Black Friday game, and we saw the Dolphins dominate, win it pretty easily. Uh, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle both had over 100 receiving yards in that game. Tim Boyle did start for the Jets, but I don't think that's enough to make up for it. I think the Dolphins will have a solid week offensively. I think they'll kind of get back to what they have been doing. This game's in Miami. Uh, they're going to be pissed off that they lost last week at home. I think they get it done pretty easily. They have A-Chan back. I think they get him more involved this week. Um, I just think they win this game pretty easy, so I got the Dolphins. All right, moving on here to Chiefs at Patriots. Uh, start by saying during this recording, we got the notification. There is a rumor that Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots will be separating after this season. Maybe it happens. Maybe it doesn't. There was never a chance that they were going to fire in midseason. That would just be insane and would just completely shock me. Um, I would still be, I, I would still say I'd be, sh- I'd be shocked to see it, even with the rumors. I still think I'd be shocked to see it in the offseason. Uh, but regardless, if it's going to happen, it'll be in the offseason. There's no way they're going to do it midseason. Uh, that would just be disrespectful to Bill and all he's done for that organization. I just don't think that would ever happen. But uh, regardless, maybe they're going to be starting a new a uh, new chapter of Patriots football. Maybe it's with one of the best quarterback prospects we've seen in recent years, and maybe it's with a new head coach. Maybe it's with neither, but we do not know yet at this point. Uh, but as for this game, the Chiefs have the perfect chance to bounce back after last week's loss uh, to the Bills in a game that they were very upset about. Uh, some people thought it was the oddest fucking call they've ever seen. Uh, some did not. Some Some people say he checked with the ref. Some people say he didn't. Uh, honestly, at this point, I just don't really care. I'm I'm just tired of hearing about it. Uh, it's been three days now. I'm just I'm done hearing about it. It's whatever it happens. Um, and it wasn't like there's been there's been blown calls in the NFL before. We've seen blown calls ruin a game. This doesn't strike me as a blown call in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so I'm just tired of hearing about it. Uh, but regardless, I think they have a great chance to bounce back this week, especially with all this Bill Belichick stuff coming out. Uh, Patriots are going to be pretty vulnerable. I think the Chiefs need to go put up 30, just guarantee a win, and do what they have to do on offense. New England's defense has been frisky at times. They could hold them. Uh, we saw New England as a whole just didn't play good for the last three quarters against the Steelers. The Steelers just aren't good enough to overcome a 21 nothing deficit or 21-3 deficit. Uh, so that's why they didn't end up choking that game away. They're not going to be able to do that against the Pats. I don't see a way they beat Kansas City. I'm obviously going with the Chiefs. Yeah, I don't have too much to say about this one. Uh, Let's not overthink it. Kansas City is a juggernaut in the NFL, and they are a dynasty. Uh, Mahomes and Kelsey are one of the greatest duos that we've ever seen. Mahomes and Reed is one of the greatest duos we've ever seen. I think they're probably going to come back after a disappointing finish to the game last week. And like you said, Josh, probably hang up 30, maybe 40. I predicted 40 for the Texans last week against the Jets. I feel a lot more confident saying Chiefs are going to get close to 40 this week. Um, I think they're going to probably force feed Travis Kelsey because last time they threw the ball to Kelsey, it turned into one of the greatest plays that never happened. Uh, so I think they're just going to, they're going to force it to Kelsey, probably not Kadarius Tony because man, he sucks, but yeah, I'm going Kansas city. Let's not overthink this one. 
yeah, you don't have to overthink this. Kansas City, if you don't pick them to win this football game, you must know something. But uh, <laughs> back to the referee thing, I think Mahomes might just be a little nervous that he knows he's going to have to play a road playoff game at this point. Um, why he got so mad over this call doesn't make as much sense. He should have got this mad over the MBS call and people would have the pass interference against the Packers. People would have understood if he was that mad at that call. But this one is just a complete non-story at this point. Um, Chiefs should bounce back. Their offense should be able to score. And they have a very good defense that should hold the Patriots to about zero points. Um, and regarding the Bill Belichick news, that was appear to be a thing after the Colts game in Germany. They had conversations that made it very clear that a decision was made after that game. So Bill Belichick got retired by the Colts. That's all I wanted. Um, I think the Chiefs win this game pretty easily. Uh, Patriots um, less than six points. We don't know about retired yet. Okay, fired. Same thing. Yeah, he could go. He, go, he could go. I would like to see him go somewhere else and just see how that works. Uh, I just want to touch on something really random really quickly. Um, I'm watching this Mavericks-Lakers game here, and I'm pretty sure they just called a hanging-on-the-rim technical in the NBA. What the hell are we doing here? I get sometimes you call it in college. Yeah, that's what they call it. That's, I've seen that it called in the NBA call. a couple times. It's an odd call. That's, it's an odd call. It, yeah, that's an odd fucking call. Uh, and it, he didn't even really hang on the rim either. Tim Hardaway, I, that, Jesus, man. That's, a, that's just absurd to call that, but... Whatever. Um, moving on here. I guess that's a Laker call for you. But <laughs> Giants at Saints. Um, the Giants are playing really good football right now. We've seen it. Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito. Uh, I was not aware of the fact that I said Danny DeVito 15 times. Uh, shout out Danny DeVito, though. Um, Tommy DeVito has been playing really, really good for the Giants. Uh, the Saints defense is up and down. I've been saying it all season. They've been middle of the pack, kind of. They can't get beat this week by Danny DeVito and this Giants offense. Uh, they need to be able to get to him early and often, maybe force him to throw his first pick of the season um, or the first pick of the stretch, I should say. The Giants are 24th in red zone defense. Uh, New Orleans has struggled to score in the red zone all season long. It's been their Achilles heel. Uh, playing a team like the Giants, I think they're going to be able to score in the red zone and get uh, get what they need to do done there against this Giants team that's really been frisky. Uh, I can see the Giants winning this game, uh, but I just think New Orleans needs it more. I think they match up better. I think the Saints are going to win this game. Um, I was checking the lines earlier today because I thought maybe like with all the the win last night, I thought maybe the public would be riding the Giants. The Saints were like almost a touchdown favorite in this game. That really? kind of shocked me to see that. Yeah. Well, either way, uh, I'm rooting for the Giants in this game. I don't think they will win. I'm going, with, I'm going with the Saints. I want the Giants to win strictly because the Bears need a lot of the NFC South to lose. Actually, the entire NFC South to lose because the Panthers, we got their pick. So I'm rooting for the Giants. Although I do think the Saints come out on top, their roster top to bottom is no just getting lot. that pick either way. That doesn't mean <laughs> you're talking about for like tiebreaker for strength of schedule. I'm talking like Panthers first overall pick. I know, but you're saying like you so their tiebreaker for no. I just want the Panthers to keep lower. losing just so that stays number one, and then I want I, this, that's I want the Saints to South. lose because I want to see uh, the the entire NFC South every single team or at least two of the three teams contending for the division has to lose at least two for the Bears to make the playoffs. Oh, for the playoffs. I thought you were saying right. that for the pick. That's no, all. I was like, no, no, they're no, going no, no. to get the pick. It's not going to come down. No, 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 no. It, it's because yeah. the, the Saints got the tiebreaker over the Bears. The Bears still have a chance with the Falcons, but... That makes sense, son. Yeah, but then the Bucks also have it over the Bears as well. Either way, rooting for the Giants. I think the Saints win. Saints have a better roster top to bottom. Uh, Derek Carr is very inconsistent. 
I'd love to see Jameis Winston come in because Carr is just in and out of the blue tent all the time. I think he's got an injury on like every like appendage of his body, probably. Uh, I th- this game isn't going to be one I watch. I'm sure Olave is going to play really well. Uh, Kamara is probably going to tear up the inside of that defense as well. But yeah, I'm, I'm going Saints. This is going to be a game that I will watch. Um, Giants defense, they have been playing better recently, and Tommy DeVito has just been a great story. They've been able to get Saquon going recently. They did have that unfortunate fumble, but I think they continue that this week. Uh, and as regarding the Saints, Derek Carr, um, right shoulder injury, ribs. He has rib injuries that he hasn't even really reported, I guess, which, or I, I don't know, but he has like two fractured ribs. Um, concussion and he still doesn't miss games. He's a quarterback that came back one week from a concussion. I'm going to go with the Giants. Um, I just like this Giants team. I like Tommy DeVito. I want to pick teams that I'm going to root for at this point. I think they find a way to win this game and keep their hot streak going. I'm absolutely rooting for the Giants as well, regardless. But uh, moving on here, staying in that division, the NFC South. Falcons at Panthers. Uh, this is a must-win game for the Falcons. They're playing the worst team in the league. I'm just at this point. I'm just tired of talking about the Panthers because they're so bad. So I'm just gonna try to avoid that. Uh, if the Falcons do what Houston did earlier this season, and they go into Carolina, overlook them, and take an L, they might be cooked. Especially in this tight race, you can't blow your gimme games to the Panthers here. Uh, the Falcons defense gets an off game. They didn't play well last week against the Bucs. Uh, they're going to play well this week. The Panthers offense has not been able to do much overall, even though Trouble Hubbard has had a pretty decent season. And he's honestly had a pretty decent career for being a, a backup caliber running back so far early in his career. Um, I think the Falcons, like I said, they're getting an off game for defense. Uh, Ritter will be able to do his thing, hopefully not make too many mistakes. And the Falcons just can't lose this game. I'm going to pick them. And if they lose, they might be done. Yeah, I'm going with the Falcons as well. I don't have much to say about this one except for thank God Carolina sucks and setting up Chicago for a really bright future, regardless of if they use a quarterback on that with that pick or trade back. But Atlanta has a really nice bounce back game here, offensively and defensively. I'd really like to see Ritter go out there, get some confidence early, uh, hit his short throws, then maybe work himself into something deeper. Uh, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Drake London, who's coming off a really good game. And if you're the Panthers, just look for the little victories, I guess. You're probably not going to win another game the rest of the year unless another team you're facing loses a big piece on offense or defense, which allows which allows you to really open things up. So I'm going to Atlanta, and yeah, this should be a stress-free game for the Falcons fans, but who knows? I think this will be a pretty close game. Both defenses are pretty good. I'd say it's going to be low scoring. Falcons only give up 20.7 points per game. That's 12th in the league only give up about 300 yards per game. They're good at stopping the run, so we've seen the Panthers better recently against the run. But I think, again, uh, one of the main difference makers of this game will be Jesse Bates. He had two interceptions on Bryce Young in week one. He's been very good. I think Bijan Robinson has a good game. We saw Drake London get involved last week for the Falcons. Um, it's hard to pick the Panthers in any position if there's a chance maybe for the rest of the season. This could be one of the games you do that, but I'm going to go with the Falcons. Desmond Ritter looked all right last week. Uh, I think he can continue that. He just has to be okay. Just get the ball to Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and just keep getting the ball to Bijan Robinson, and good things will happen. Uh, I think this is going to be a close game, pretty low scoring, but I think the Falcons are able to win it. 
Yep, moving on here to Commanders at Rams. Uh, the Rams should torch this Commanders defense. They're not a very good unit after the trade deadline whatsoever. The Rams defense is up and down. I can see that leading to a high-score game. We've seen them get into a lot of shootouts. Uh, I still like, for some reason, I just like Sam Howell and this Commanders offense. I just like them being able to put up points on bad defenses. I see a possibility that they could go and put up 20 eight points to go get four touchdowns against this Rams team. And then that's where you have to have the Rams go score. Uh, the Ram Rams basically have to win out to make the playoffs at this point. I think that starts this week. They have to get the win this week at home. Um, if the commander's defense can go get some stops, like I said, I think their offense is going to have a good day. So I think that they could win this game. If their defense can go get some stops. I don't think they're going to though. I just like Stafford and this Rams offense. I'm taking the Rams at home. Yeah, I don't have much to say about this one either. Uh, I also like Stafford and the skill position players on the Rams way more than I like the the secondary and just second level in general of the commander's defense, especially post uh, getting rid of Young and Sweat at the deadline. Washington's offense, they're always a question mark every single week. Sure, they can we can see the good Sam Howell, see some elite level throws, and they could put up 28 to 31 points every week. Or we can see the really bad commanders and Sam Howell's turning the ball over three to five times a game. Their run game isn't able to get anything going, and they just struggle to move the ball on a down-to-down basis. This week, I'm going to assume that the Rams just put up too many points for the uh, young offense of the commanders to really keep up with, so I'm going with the Rams. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Rams as well. I've really liked what they've been doing. They've been getting the ball to Puka and Cooper Cup. Their offenses look very good. Ever since Kyron Williams came back, he's been very good for them this season. Sam Howell on the other side, he's been up and down. He's had great games. He's had terrible games. He has 3,466 passing yards. He's the fifth leading passer in the NFL, but he's been sacked a league leading 58 times. And I think Aaron Donald is going to have a field day against this offensive line. And for um, back to the Rams real quick, Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup, the secondary for the commanders hasn't been great. If Emmanuel Forbes plays, I think he's going to get cooked like he was earlier in the season. I think the Rams win this one. Um, get it done pretty easily. They have another home game in five days, so you don't want to look forward, but I don't think they will. I think they beat the Commanders pretty easily. All right, chugging along with these pretty uh, uninteresting games here. 49ers at Cardinals. The 49ers, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. They're going to smoke the Cardinals. Uh, Arizona, I think, is just going to struggle to score overall against this defense. Been one of the best defenses in the league all year, uh, regardless of who's in or who's out. Their defense, for the most part, has stayed fully healthy, though. Uh, outside of Fafanga being out really desperately hurts them. Uh, but he's been out for a few weeks, and they've still been pretty solid in that time. Uh, the Cardinals' defense has played really well at times this season. It's been kind of the one bright spot of their team outside of getting Kyler back for the year. Uh, if they can somehow play well in this game, I could see maybe them hanging in similar how to, to Seattle did last week. Uh, but I just I don't see that happening. I think Seattle or San Francisco's offense is just too good. I see another dominating cover win for San Francisco, two touchdowns at least. Yeah, I got Sanford as well. Barring a crazy efficient game from Kyler where he's just able to get the ball out really quick to Rondo Moore and Marquise Brown, if he plays, he should play. He was uh, on pace to come back to practice this week after having the bye week to rest up. But regardless, San Fran's just a better team top to bottom. Uh, they've got a better offense, better defense. They're better at almost every single uh, position on the field. Quarterback's still up for debate depending on how you feel on Kyler. But everywhere else, San Fran has got them beat. So I'm going to San Francisco. Yeah, um, you really can't pick against San Francisco at all, maybe for the rest of the season. They've shown they're the best team in football. Um, They are dealing with some injuries on the defensive side of the ball. Eric Armstead has a banged up. Javon Hargrave, Travarius Ward, Dre Greenlaw are all banged up and questionable. 
even if all of those guys don't play, I still don't really see how the uh, Cardinals would win this game outside of Kyler Murray having a phenomenal game. Um, I like what Brock Purdy's been doing recently. Obviously, Debo Samuel's been on a tear these past two weeks. I think he has the most yards in the past two weeks than any other receiver. Uh, I think the Niners win this one pretty easily. Uh, they're unstoppable when their weapons have all been healthy, and I see that continuing. All right, moving on here to Cowboys at Bills. Um, I really like the Cowboys right now. I mean, earlier in the season, their offense had a tough start overall. Their defense was getting was playing so well that their offense was just automatically getting credit. I was really critical of them on the pod the first three, four weeks of the season. Even probably, what week did they play the, the Niners? Like five, six? Yeah, it was it's around like, that five, five or six was, mark. It was pretty early. And actually, I do want to touch on that game a little bit. I'm going to touch on the Cowboys a little bit more when I get into my betting picks for this week at the end of the episode. Uh, so stay tuned for that. But right now, I think the best two teams in the league are the 49ers and the Cowboys. And I think it's that's not a hot take. And I think a lot of people would say that and then go on to say, and then we saw what the Niners did to the Cowboys. This Cowboys team is a completely different team than they were in that game. And I honestly think if that game is played in Dallas this week, I think it's a close game. And I think there's a good chance Dallas goes into that game favored. Uh, I really, really like uh, Dallas overall. The fact that Buffalo is favored in this game to me is pretty wild, favored by two and a half points at that, basically a field goal favorites. Uh, maybe kind of seems like bait, but regardless, I'm probably going to end up taking the Cowboys money line anyways. I'm sure that line probably falls around more towards a pick or one and a half as the week goes on. But um, Buffalo's defense has been up and down all year. I guess them being home is a big reason why they're favored in this one. Uh, their defense, though, has been very streaky. The Cowboys' offense is just on a heater right now. They're torching everybody. The Bu- Buffalo secondary uh, has been beat up all year. They're very shaky, in my opinion. I struggle to have confidence in them and their secondary going forward, similar to what we have with Philadelphia, and we saw what the Cowboys did to Philadelphia uh, a couple nights ago. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys here. Uh, the only reason I could even think about picking the Bills is because it's in Buffalo, so it'll be a cold game. Uh, but regardless, I, I do have the Cowboys in this one. I, I'm fully, fully bought in the Cowboys. Yeah, I am also fully bought in on Dallas as well. Regardless if they're on uh, on the road or at home, they've just been phenomenal. Uh, I think their offense is just going to tear apart this Buffalo defense because, I mean, if they were healthy, it'd be a different story. But Buffalo's been dealing with injuries on both sides of the ball all year. I'm prob- I, I, Honestly, probably I would take uh, Dak over Josh Allen right now if I could. Dak is easily top two in the MVP race this year. He's been phenomenal. And it's not just because of CD Lamb. He's letting Brandon Cooks get involved in the offense. Michael Gallup is playing really well after uh, two years removed from that ACL injury. And Tony Pollard, he's been relatively quiet, but that's because they're throwing the ball with so much success. So I'm going with Dallas. I like their offense better than Buffalo's offense. And I like their defense better than Buffalo's defense. Special teams, that's a wash, even though Aubrey can kick it from basically anywhere. He could probably kick from the moon. And if you say that he makes a kick and da- makes a kick from the moon to the earth, I would probably believe you. So I'm going Dallas. Um, I'm also a big believer in Dallas. I have been all season. If this game uh, was at Dallas, how many points do you think they're favored by Josh? Uh, Five. I don't know. Five and it's, a half. It's... It's tricky because the fact that they're two and a half favorites on the road, usually the it's got to be because of the weather. Is, yeah, it's got to be the weather because usually home field advantage in the NFL is like worth maybe like three points. So are they are they trying to tell us this game would just be a pick them in or a one point favorite for Dallas and Dallas? I find that impossible to believe. Uh, I think maybe three and a half, but it should be higher. I go as far as five and a half. 
If it was in Dallas, I'd go five and a half. I no, I agree. It should be higher. I just think it's pro- it would probably be three and a half. I guess just because the like I said, the three point favorites. They flip it over. I don't know why I said pick them. I, my math was off there. <laughs> it would be three the other way. Uh, but I don't know about you guys. I think that's extremely low. Three points for Dallas at home. Yeah. Uh, and the weather is supposed to be a solid 50 degrees and partly cloudy. So the weather can't be that much of a factor. Um, I've fully bought in on this Cowboys team. I think Dak right now is the MVP of the NFL. He's been playing incredible. Their defense has been very good. But with that being said, the Bills might be seven and six overall, but they are five and one in Buffalo. So that that's something the odd makers are probably taking into account. The defense for the Bills has been very good at home, just 14 and a half points per game, which is towards the top of the NFL. But they're playing one of the best offenses, the highest scoring offense per game at 32.4. I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think it's going to be very high scoring. Uh, Cowboys are one and two in outdoor game, average 22 points per game, which is 10 less than their average. Um, This Bills team, they had the news about Sean McDermott leak last week, and they seem to have kind of had rallied around him. They've been playing better recently. It, it's burned me multiple times this year where I've been the only one to pick the Bills. It didn't last week, and I'm going to try it again. I'm going to pick the Bills to beat the Cowboys. Um, I just think Josh Allen is due for a really good game. This offense is due for a really good game. I think the Cowboys might be due for maybe not a complete dud, but not as good as they have been playing. So I think the Bills are able to squeak this one out. All right, moving on here then to Sunday Night Football. Ravens at Jags. This Ravens defense is just so bipolar. They're up and down. A lot of defenses like that this year, but that's just the NFL, to be honest. Uh, even the good defenses have bad games. Uh, the Ravens have had their fair share of bad games. They can't have one in Jacksonville. Uh, we saw last week, Jags offense was solid in Trevor Lawrence, uh, him not having to miss a game at all. Uh, but he couldn't stop turning the ball over. He had three picks. Uh, you can't do that against this Ravens team. They will make you pay. The Jags actually lead the league in takeovers or takeovers, takeaways uh, this year. And they need to turn uh, Lamar over this game to win this game for sure. Um, I think they can do that. Uh, I don't know if they will, though. Their defense has been sliding the past few weeks after having a great first half of the season. They were very impressive for not having the most talent in the world on defense for the first half, and they're kind of starting to regress to the mean a little bit there. But if T-Law is getting healthier, the Jags are contenders, uh, but their defense has to get back to where they were in the first half of the season. Uh, I'm torn on this game, and uh, if it's in Baltimore, I'm for sure picking the Ravens. In Jacksonville, I struggle to go back and forth, but I'm just going to take the healthier quarterback and pick Lamar on the Ravens. Yeah, I kind of agree with you that if it was in Baltimore, it would be a lot easier to pick because Jacksonville going to a colder state, like you've uh, said a few times, Mike, uh, a warm warm weather state teams don't always translate as well to the colder states. But luckily for uh, Jacksonville and Baltimore, this is going to be a warm game. It's in Jacksonville. Uh, so on a basically neutral weather wise field, I'm going with Baltimore and their quarterback is healthier. I like their defense a lot more, even though they have been up and down, uh, this entire year, but when Baltimore's the good version of Baltimore's defense shows up, they are, they strap you down and don't let you go anywhere. Jacksonville. They have, like you said, Josh, they have been sliding a little bit, uh, defensively. And I just don't trust the health of Trevor Lawrence. If he's not that mobile, he's going to be a sitting duck in the pocket, for a blitzing Roquan Smith up the middle, he's gonna blow up ETN in the backfield and just get to Trevor Lawrence because he can't move and he can't move out of the way. So I'm guessing uh, Baltimore wins this one. Yeah, this was a very easy one for me to pick. I think the Ravens win this one pretty easily. 
Um, I don't trust Trevor Lawrence's health at all. I think they should have rested him last week and got him healthy for this game, considering how big the stakes are with the first um, the buy at stake. Uh, but the Jags defense has definitely been struggling recently. Joe Flacco dominated him last week, and imagine what Lamar Jackson will be able to do. He's coming off one of his best games of the year. He had 316 yards, three touchdowns against the Rams defense, which had not given up a 300-yard passing game yet this season. And the Jags, 265 yards per game through the air. That is 31st in the NFL, and opposing quarterbacks have just been able to pass the ball on them. Uh, I'm going with the Ravens. I think their defense will figure it out. Um, slow down at a hobbled Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence is 0-3 in his previous games against top eight defenses, uh, Chiefs, Browns, and 49ers. I think the Ravens win this one pretty easily. All right, moving on to our final game of the pod here, Monday Night Football next week, Eagles at Seahawks. Uh, Eagles defense, we've talked about it. The secondary especially has just been playing really, really rough all season, and their defense has just been giving up a lot of points recently. They got torched by the Cowboys, uh, and they almost lost to the Bills, and they just have not been playing good whatsoever. Uh, People are not giving enough credit uh, to Seattle for how they played last week. I said it already against the Niners. They had Drew Locke. They were in that game for a lot of the game. I know uh, the Niners scored like a minute into the game. The Niners account tweeted, oh, we're on pace to put up 400, whatever, whatever, how many points they said. Uh, and the Seahawks just didn't have it. With Drew Locke in, their defense played well at times. Uh, they let some big plays go, which hurt them. Uh, but their offense, Drew Locke had two touchdowns, two picks. He was pretty solid. I think you just need to give more credit for how they played in San Francisco. Uh, last week this game for me is going to come down to the Seahawks run defense it has not been great all season they need to be able to stop the Eagles run game the Eagles have not been able to get the run game going great recently their offense has been slow Uh, I trust their secondary a lot in Seattle and it seems like a lot of people are out on them they've lost a lot of games in a row but there's been a lot of games in this stretch where they played good teams and looked okay Um, we saw they played the Niners twice in this four-game losing streak. Uh, so I think people need to maybe cool off on Seattle a little bit. Uh, I believe – are we getting Geno Smith back this week? I don't think anyone knows yet. I'm not sure. I feel like we're going to because he was like kind of game time last week. So I'm going to assume we get him back this week. Uh, I talked about it on the live pod last night, Zach. I think the Seahawks are going to win this game. I really do. I think going into Seattle in primetime is tough, especially when you're a team that's sliding with the Eagles and you're getting – got the shit pumped by the Niners, who, by the way, the Seahawks look better against the Niners than the Eagles did. Uh, and that game against with the Seahawks was in San Francisco. The game with the Eagles was in Philly. Uh, the Eagles got shit pumped in Philly by the Niners. They got shit pumped in Dallas by the Cowboys. And see, going into Seattle in primetime is a tough place to play. I got the Seahawks pulling off the upset here. Well, we've seen the last few games for Philly. Uh, they didn't look great against either Dallas or Philly. I think they come out, they're really upset. They're going to try to establish the tone early. They're going to run the ball with Swift, Gainwell, whoever the hell they got back there. They're going to try and bully Seattle, and they're just going to try and get back to what they do best, uh, especially last year and earlier this year. They're going to run the ball. I hope Swift has a dominant game. He's been real quiet the last few weeks, and Seattle's a team to do it against. I believe they're bottom five, maybe bottom seven in the league in terms of rush yards a game. And even though they did add Leonard Williams a few weeks ago with the deadline, I don't think it'll be enough. I like Philly on the ground, and I think that'll open up the play-action game and the deep ball game to A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. So I'm going with Philly. 
Yeah, this is the first time we're ever getting a Monday Night Football flex. This was supposed to be the Chiefs versus the Patriots, and it was flexed into Eagles at Seahawks. So good for the NFL for not making us have to watch that game. I think this is going to be a great game. Both passing defenses are pretty bad, pretty terrible. Um, but I just like the Eagles run game more. I think that's going to be the difference maker. I think they're going to be able to run the football in this one. Seahawks are one and four when they give up more than 135 rushing yards. I think that the Eagles should get to that mark. Um, but I think it's going to be a battle of uh, if Geno Smith plays or not. If he plays, I give the Seahawks a chance. If he doesn't, I really don't. I think the Eagles win this game and uh, take back the lead in um, the NFC East. But we haven't seen a, a team repeat in the NFC East in a long time. So they could be due for a loss here and the Cowboys fate to win it. Yeah, I think if they lose here, I think the Cowboys are winning the division. I, re- I really do. Uh, but we will finish off this episode with some betting picks. Um, I will go with my three first. I have two for this game, and then I actually have a big picture future that I wanna I wanna give out. Um, first, uh, for this week, Falcons minus three against Carolina. I think this is just a must win for them. They absolutely cannot lose this game. They know that Carolina is such a bad team. Falcons should be able to run the ball and force their will, and their defense plays well at times. I think they'll play well enough to beat them. And then I just said it. I like the Seahawks to win this game. Um, I'll probably take money line, but just to be safe, I'm going to go Seahawks plus four. Uh, you get that extra field goal just in case you get a last second field goal from Jake Elliott to win this game for the Eagles. Uh, I like plus four. And then for my future, I, I teased it a little bit earlier here. I don't see a world where the Ravens and the Chiefs should be higher in the Super Bowl future than the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are sitting at plus 750. The Chiefs are plus 650. The Ravens are plus 500 and the 49ers are favorites at plus 260 which plus 260 at this this point in the season is kind of absurd but I agree with the Niners being the favorites I don't understand how you say the Ravens and the Chiefs have a better chance to win the Super Bowl than the Cowboys except for the fact that they're playing that the Niners are in their uh, conference and I said it earlier that game where they played the Niners was a long time ago it's a different Cowboys team I think if they played this game again I think the Cowboys do have a legit shot to beat them and come back, it's hard to beat a team twice, especially a team as good as the Cowboys. So I think Cowboys at plus 750 is just great value. Same value as the Eagles for some reason. Don't really understand that one either, but uh, I just think they're completely undervalued at plus 750, so I'm going to give that one out as well. Uh, I don't have any futures picks like you, Josh, but I will be taking the Bears plus three and a half. I think their defense, regardless of if they win the game or not, even though I did pick them to win. I think their defense is going to have a really nice day, especially with Cleveland missing their two starting tackles. I think Montez Sweat is going to be in the backfield a lot, especially when Flacco is throwing the ball. Uh, And I'm just, I'm hoping to see a miracle and Chicago put up 20 and hopefully just get themselves an inch closer to the playoffs. And for my other pick, I'm taking Tampa Bay plus three and a half. I picked them to win, but just to be safe, I'm taking their points just in case. Uh, I just can't trust Jordan Love. He was playing really well going into last night, and I just I expected another really good performance from him, but he underperformed and just did not deliver what I expected. The inconsistencies from him are glaring, but it's obviously his first full year starting, so I would easily give him another year next year to continue to start. However, I like Mike Evans just to go nuclear in this game, regardless if Jair Alexander is lining up across him or not. So Bucks three and a, Bucks plus three and a half and Bears plus three and a half for my two picks. 
Uh, for my first pick, I'm going to take Ravens minus three and a half. I don't trust this Jags offense. Trevor Lawrence is hurt, and I think this Ravens offense is going to get a lot of yards and a lot of points on this Jags defense. And for my second one, I'm going to go with Denver Broncos plus five and a half. Uh, they're one of the best teams in football in recent weeks. They're six and one. And I think five and a half point underdogs is a big number for a team that's been playing that good. Going against a team that has been struggling recently and their defense has not been good. Um, I picked the Broncos to win. I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think five and a half is a fair number for the Broncos. So I got plus five and a half Denver and minus three and a half Baltimore. That shooting up from three and a half to five and a half, I don't really understand unless someone knows something injury wise, like maybe that Ragnall is going to play or something. Because three and a half seems that's where I would put the line at three and a half. Five and a half is just kind of absurd, but um, I'll probably just take it as a homer regardless. But <laughs> um, that about does it for this episode of the Engage A podcast. Uh, as always, I hit the links in our description for our TikTok and our Spotify for different forms of content, as well as all of our social medias are there as well. We are now going to be start going live on Twitter uh, for short little 30 to 45 minute podcasts to talk about anything that happens in the sports world. For instance, last night we were on there talking about the Shohei Otani contract. Uh, we were previewing some Monday Night Football right before the game started, giving you some picks, and talking some big picture playoff simulation stuff. Uh, but until next time, we'll see everybody in the next one.